a nose that there, it's an impossibility to breathe out of? Oh, my word. I didn't know if I... I, I hate eating that way because it's quite disturbing for all those around me. But you know what? You got to eat, right? So the whole don't eat with your mouth open, that just doesn't work when you're going on like this. So uh, I do uh, I covet your prayers uh, for myself, for many others that are struggling with whatever head colds, sicknesses. Boy, it doesn't make for very cold nights, I'll tell you that. So uh, God is good. And about five people said that all the time. Know that today. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Yes. Does your neighbor know that? Yes. Tell me that. Have you told them specifically, I am glad to be in the house. I'm glad I'm in the house with you. Why don't we do that real quick? I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord today. He is so Speak to our hearts. Thank you, Father, for what you're continuing to do in us. Prepare us today. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, I'm going to have you quickly with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And, um, when we have been, we spent the last, uh, the last two months primarily working on the purpose of the church, church on purpose. We dealt, we looked at work, we looked at discipleship, we looked at fellowship and service and evangelism. And uh, strangely enough, the one that really grabbed me heavily was fellowship. Um, I began to be open to some things that I hadn't seen, excuse me, before. So I thought, you know what, Lord, I want to spend Sunday on this. I want to spend more days discussing fellowship, discussing what it is that the Lord desires to say regarding My singers in praise team, you need to pray for their hearts. They are full of rebellion and resentment towards me because I make them sing in these two microphones. They used to like me. They don't anymore. And so they've been very thankful that I've had to deal with this earpiece and that I'm not crazy about it. But you see, the Lord made clear. I get my mic here. God is a good God, and Jesus loves me, this I know. Oh, now I can hear me. No, I want to talk about that. I want to spend the next three weeks better together. Better together. And what am I talking about? Where's the church? Where is the church? Okay, the church is all around here. The church is those, uh, now I'm a little alarmed about only 17 of you raised your hand, so I'm going to try one more time in a second. The church is those who are filled with God's Spirit through Jesus' sacrifice and our surrender to Him. And we have been brought to the Lord, uh, the, the Father. Where is the church? Okay. Church, we are better together. And we're going to spend the next three weeks discussing this. Because it's alarming how church 
I'm not talking about just the Sunday meeting, but how church has become a secondary uh, option for believers. You say, oh boy, here it comes. No, I'm not talking about the negative today. I'm going to talk about why it's so important to be and the blessing that comes in gathering together. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7. Let's look at that together. It says, but if we walk in the light, who is the light? As He is in the light, we have fellowship. We have what? With one another. If we walk with Jesus, if we walk the way He's walking, what inevitably happens? We are what? Brought together. We are connected. I want you to look at a brother or sister right now and say, hey, I'm connected to you. If we are in Christ, I am connected to you. So here's the thing. If you're a Christian, church is not something you go to. Church is something you already are. Church is something you are, not what you go to. That's why I started calling this place. Anybody remember when I started calling this place? The tool shed. This is the tool shed. And where are all of God's very valuable tools? Right here. This is the tool shed where you are prepared, used, whatnot, and, 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 and made ready for wherever He needs to take you. We are the tool shed, His body. Now, <coughs> excuse me, most of the New Testament, we look at the New Testament and uh, I'm just going to challenge you on this. How many have read the Bible for yourselves? You open the Bible and you say, okay, this is what the Lord's saying to me. Or you open the Bible up and say, oh, God, say something to me. Anybody done that before? Anybody ever uh, just dropped the Bible and hoped to open up or somewhere that it'll minister to you? You know, or you get one of those promise books and you go down the list of topics where, oh, there's one on anxiety. I need to read these verses under anxiety. Or the, hey, that's all right. But I have to tell you something, and I really want you to hear me well, okay? A huge, Old and New Testament, a huge percentage of the Word is not for the individual, but for the body. Let's look at the New Testament for a second. We look at that, we study that. I know people that do avoid getting together with the church or they, they're there every once in a blue moon, but they study their Bibles at home. That's great. What are they studying for? To receive what God has to say. Amen. I'm, I'm fine with that. Lord, speak to us. But here's the problem. Most of what the Lord has spoken in His Word in the New Testament alone is talking about life together. Not just life on your own. As a matter of fact, I'm just going to tell you right now, well, all we're going to look at today is church is not about me. Church is about we. Always has been, always will be. Look at Acts, the Acts of the church. Look at Romans. What was that book written for? The church in Rome. Look at the, uh, the Corinthians. That was written to the church in Corinth. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians. My goodness, Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The first, uh, at least the second and third chapter of that, of that book is all about 
what? Individuals or the church? The church. See, here's the thing. You can come here every Sunday, okay? But if you're going to church every Sunday, my guess is church is a lot about who? Me. But if you're going to be church on a Sunday morning, I'm going to be church on Sunday morning, then my guess is being the church is a lot about we. Now, I'm not, I'm not downing me. I'm not downing we. We need a little bit of both because the Lord meets us right where we're at. Who here had a, just a crazy past and Jesus met you right where you were and saved you and delivered you? Amen. He delivered you individually. Frankie, he looked down at you and he said, Frankie, I love you. And he met Frankie right where he's at, right? So, yeah, the individual aspect of that is great. But once we receive Christ, we have got to come to the conclusion of we can no longer be me until we're really good at being what? See, you grow in being me as you grow in being we. So I'm not going to ditch the, the whole me aspect, but you get the cart before the horse. Oh, my goodness. How many, how many know that in America today, people shop for churches? Is anybody awake today? Hello? Okay. You shop for church. I like what the pastor says. I like how he preaches. He keeps me awake. Maybe not. I don't know. I like the worship. They have contemporary worship. No, I like hymns. They play traditional hymns. Drums are of the devil. We must have all organs in the the sanctuary. They have a great children's ministry. They have nothing. How many have seen this across the spectrum? People shopping for church. But the problem is this. We're shopping for something that doesn't exist apart from us because we are the church. Quite honestly, the more you become we, the greater joy you have gathering with people the greater joy you have growing with people. See, it's no longer drudgery. You don't have to walk out the store at 12, 15, 12, 30 and say, oh, best time of the week. It's the farthest away until I have to get to church again next Sunday. And you know what? There are people that kind of have that mentality. They go to church on Sunday morning because they think it's the right thing to do but they completely miss the fact that it is the best thing for them. Why is this? I've touched on some of this before, but I want to touch in with you guys real quick. Genesis 11. Sin had run rampant through, by the time we hit Genesis 11. It was so bad it said that every thought that man had was evil. It was bad news. Well, a whole bunch of people decided, hey, let's build a tower to heaven. Let's build a tower to heaven. Now, God didn't sit back in heaven and go, ha, 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 like they can do that. No. Do you know what the Lord said? The Lord said this. He said, these people all speak the same language, and I see they are joined together to do this work. This is only the beginning of what they can do. Soon they will be able to do anything they want, a.k.a. soon they're going to be able to destroy 
themselves. And so the Lord looked down upon them in them not wanting to, him not wanting them to do their will, but his will. He realized, I better do something here because i got to shake these people up. And what did he do? He confused their language so they could no longer communicate and be in unity, and he suddenly shut down their plan. Why? To keep us from destroying ourselves as a human race. Who's hearing it right now? We would have destroyed ourselves, and he would have had to get rid of all of us. He confused their language so their plans could be accomplished. But let's fast forward to Acts chapter 2. What happened there? In the New Testament, the Lord sends the Holy Spirit to the believers to bring them back into spiritual unity. They're all sitting together, and the Holy Spirit comes, and suddenly they're all speaking in a similar spiritual language, understanding one another. What did the Lord just do? He reversed the confusion. He brought the unity so that now the correct plan could be done. And whose was that? His. So that His will could be accomplished. His will could be enacted. We've been brought together to both encourage one another in the faith and to accomplish the will of God as the body of Christ. God's will is not me. It is we. In fact, I chuckle a little bit. How many people sit around going, oh, what is it that God's got for me? Anybody ever ask that? Oh, God, what's your plan for my life? Lord, just show me. Just show me. Just show me. He's like, I would, but you need to gather together with the we, and I'll show you. Oh, but God, you got to have some very special plan. Hey, he had a great special plan for Jeremiah. He said, I set him apart in his mother's womb. I knew him before he was in his mother's womb. I knew him. I knew everything about him. But the reason that he had a particular plan for Jeremiah was for the benefit of who? And it wasn't until Jeremiah grew wise to the fact that this is not about me, but about that he could even walk out the plan that God had for him. Okay, I'm not going to go any further until you realize you will never fully know what God wants to do in you until you start walking together. Who's hearing that? You will never know what God wants to do in you until you start walking together. Together. I want to read Ephesians 4 real quick. You just stay right there. I'm just going to read it out loud. These are the gifts God that Jesus gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work. Why do we gather together? To be what? We say, but God equips me. Yeah, but He uses others to do that. I, I, uh, I get blank stares today. Was it a long week or something here? God, yes, He will equip you to do what He's called you to. But how is He going to do that? With the body. According to Ephesians 4. goes on to say, this will continue until we all come into such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We will no longer be immature like little kids. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, 
the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Believers, the only way to be healthy, growing, and full of love is to be living as we. Is anybody hearing this? That is the only way to operate is we. You say, oh, come on. No, I'm just getting into the Scripture here. John 17 has Jesus praying, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Father, just as you in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. You ready? You want to know why he wants us as one? You want to know why he wants us as a we? Because the world may believe that you have sent me. How many know you get a lot more accomplished when there's more more bodies, more members attached to the body? How many know that? Every time, more will be accomplished. I and them, you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, then the world would know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So I got, I've got something I've got to tell you. And you may like this and you may not like this. But that person next to you, you need that person. That person behind you, you need that person. That person in front of you, you need that person. Now just shut down the lies. The enemy says, oh, I'm not worth anything. Are you a believer in Jesus Christ and has he saved you from your sin? then you are a part of the what? And other people need you. Do you hear that? Oh, but I've screwed up so much. You know, just lay it down for a moment. I'm going to say like I'm sure my wife feels like she wants to say it sometime. Enough with the pity parties. Enough with the pity parties. I'm the most horrible Christian ever. You know what? (sighs) If the Lord is convicting you of something in your life, He's doing it not because He wants you to feel like the worst Christian in the world. He wants you to grow and to know that you are an integral part of this we. Because other people need you. I think it's rather selfish of us when we start to realize this, to even imagine the fact that, oh, I didn't get anything out of church today. Oh, that was your goal for being here. That's why you came, to get something out of church? When all honesty, God's desire for you is to come in and give something to the body. Because the more you give, the more you will what? Receive. You will. Oh, but when we get wrapped up in our uh, take, 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 want, 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 I want it my way, that's why there are, and I'm just going to be very honest with you, so many unhealthy congregations out there. Because there's so many people in it that are all about me. And guess what? We could be walking the same line if we're not careful. But it's about we. Now, here's something that we struggle with. America focuses in on U.S. and at its foundation. And I love it, but I also realize how it's influenced the church in America, uh, sadly enough, because other, other nations don't operate like this. Many of the, the, believing, the, the believers' churches in Africa, believers' churches in Israel, those 
they are, they have a far greater concept of the church being what? I'm a part of this. I'm needed and I need. But in America, it's all about the individual success, correct? Hasn't that been the foundations we've found when it came to business and everything else? Making a mark on your own. The problem being that is not how we are to do the church. The church is not business. The church is not all about reaching a goal that will make us feel what? Like we did something. I'm sure the Lord gets chuckled at our efforts to try to do something with the church. When he said, hey guys, I already have a plan for the church. Just start moving together and seeking my face together and watch what I'm going to do. Let's look at these just for a moment. I'm just going to read some scriptures. We need each other. Yes, we do. Just as there are many parts to our bodies, so it is with Christ's body. We're all parts of it. It takes every one of us to make it complete, for we each have different work to do. So we belong to each other, and each needs all the others. Let's do a little nominating here. Who here would you say, you can just point to somebody. You just see, the, you just see that the Lord uses them as hands because they, they just have a gift of service. Oh, nobody thinks that about anybody? Thank you, Justin. Oh, my word. I'm like, we're, we're in worse shape than I thought. Oh, my goodness. We don't even know each other. Where are the servers? Come on. Everybody look at Queenie Campbell. There you go. If you don't know one point of Queenie, there is a servant's heart. She is about what? So what part of the body is she? Where are the preachers? <laughs> Pastor Jim's back there. You can point at him. That was a little awkward. Feet. How beautiful are the feet that go and do what? Preach the good news. The evangelists, the feet. But they also, <laughs> this one's going to be fun. Where are the mouths at? Oh, there ought to be pointing fingers everywhere around here. <laughs> mouths. Mouths. Where are they? See, guys, we are all part of the body. We cannot miss that aspect. We, and I love this, what it says in Ephesians. Don't miss this. It says this. We are parts of each other. Do you know what? When you step away from the body of believers and think you can do a Lone Ranger Christian thing, do you know what you're saying to everybody else? You're saying, I don't care that I'm a part of you. I don't want to be a part of you. I don't need you. Who hears that right now? I don't need you. That's pretty, that's pretty deep. That's what I started to see. I'm like, holy cow. Our actions regarding our gathering together as the we will get us in trouble if we push away. Now, here's what I'm trying to say according to 1 Corinthians 12. All of you together are one body, and each one of you is separate and necessary. Look at your neighbor and say, you're necessary. Then you can say, get it together. No, I'm just joking. You're necessary. You're necessary. Listen to Romans. Listen to what happens. What, what happens when the body truly is operating as, <coughs> excuse me, as, as a we? Oh. Be devoted to tenderly loving your fellow believers as members of one family. Love them. 
Live happily together in a spirit of harmony. This is Romans 12, 16. And be as mindful of another's worth as your own. Do you know what you gather together here and do? You encourage him by saying, man, God must value you a whole lot because you're here for me and I'm here for you. He must want something great for you. Right? He must want something great for you. Don't be smug or even think for a moment that you know it all. That's why you need others. I had a young man look at me one day. He said, I've read the Bible three times. I know everything there is to know. What else could I learn? I honestly, I just stared at him blankly. I didn't know. Huh. <laughs> Humility, this is true. Romans 13, don't owe anything to anyone except your outstanding debt to continually love one another. Do you know you may be, as a body of believers, let's just be honest, you may be the only love someone receives any given time is when they gather together. Why is the church so important? Why are we so important? Because it is us that God uses to minister to others. And you know where that starts? That does not start outside these four walls. What we're able to do outside those four walls in an effective manner starts with how we effectively love each other in here. It starts here as the we. Stop being critical and condemning other believers, Romans 14. But instead, determine to never deliberately cause a brother or sister to stumble and fall because of your actions. Well, what does that do? That creates accountability. And you're not going to have accountability unless you're walking with the body. See, the Lord is not dumb. He knows exactly what He's doing. I want to bring all of you together to grow you. Romans 15, my dear brothers and sisters, I'm fully convinced of your genuine spirituality. I know that each of you is stuffed with God's great goodness that you are richly supplied with all kinds of revelation knowledge and that you are empowered to effectively instruct each other. Why did you show up here today? Well, the Lord must have you ready to instruct somebody, speaking truth and love. And sometimes that instruction can simply be a big old hug with grace written all over it. Are you following me? So this is the most vital command, I believe, in most of Scripture regarding the church. You ready? John 15, verse 17. Jesus declared, this is my command. Love each other. Love each other. How many ever had a long-distance relationship? How'd that go for you? Pretty well. You still married to him? Okay. Anybody ever been to a long-distance relationship that lasted and lasted and lasted and did super well? Doesn't happen often besides Chrissy here, but she's different, so. Nah, I'm just messing. It doesn't go well. Well, folks, can I ask you a question? How, if we're not gathering together, is that any different than being in a long-distance relationship? How? How is that any different? It's not. 
We can talk on the phone and say we love each other. We can do those things. But if we are not in literal contact, I'm going to tell you what, you guys are going to look at me like I'm nuts today, but that's okay. I don't believe that social media is of the devil. I don't believe cell phones are of the devil. Please don't walk out of here saying I said that. But I believe it's a very, very usable tool of Satan to separate us. I mean, yeah, there's garbage on the Internet. There's garbage on social media. But guess what it's doing more than anything? It's separating us. It's separating us. So let me ask you this. If we live, since Jesus said love each other, and if we live as though we don't need the church, I'm going to be honest with you, we don't have a church problem. we got a Jesus problem. Because he's the one that said to love one another. He said love one another. And if we're operating in our own way, we got a Jesus problem. Now, I'm going to be very upfront with you guys. And if Satan is determined to lead every one of you, I want to make sure you realize who I'm talking about. Can you just point to yourself for a second? Satan is determined to lead every one of you out of fellowship with the body. He is determined to do that. Remember, we're all members, right? So what happens when you start cutting off arms and legs? What is that called? Dismembering. What do you think Satan's goal is? To dismember the church. And he doesn't care how bloody or gruesome or gross it is. He just wants to tear us limb from limb. Oh, who heard that? Okay, so here's the thing. He is determined to lead us out of fellowship with the body and into isolation from the body. See, in isolation, we sit back and we figure that we know what we're doing. When in reality, and I'm just going to be up front here, in reality, if you are out of fellowship with the body, not only are you headed for damage at very best and destruction at very worst, you say, oh boy, really? Guys... It is vital that we gather together, especially in this day and age. But not only will that destroy you, guess what it does to the church when you're not a part of it? It weakens the church. It weakens. When you're not here and you have decided that other things are more important than the body, and I'm not just talking Sunday mornings, I'm talking about gathering together legitimately. As laid out in Ephesians, as laid out uh, in, in various scriptures in the Word, where we are instructing each other, we are loving one another and speaking truth in love and admonishing and, and sharpening one another. If we're not doing that, we are headed for damage and the church is weakening. But here's the vicious cycle we're in now the church is weakening, so church is getting boring. Because we're trying to scramble now and make church more exciting for people, so they'll do what? But it's actually, I feel like we're just watering church down. It's getting rougher. So we have this vicious cycle. And I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I can't keep the party on anymore. I got too much of a party going on in my own house. I cannot keep the party going on here. And that's not my call. That's not my job. You know what my job is? To declare what the Lord is saying to me in Scripture. But that's Lane's job too. Jill and Chrissy and all them, they're, they're, they're called first to open their mouths and pray because these are prayer warriors. And then we'll lead worship. 
that's their part. Many of us have all these parts, and we need to be operating together. You know when it got bad? And hey, they're my own kind, but I've got to be honest with you. It wasn't until about 100 years ago that most churches had an actual, I mean, the Catholic church we saw a lot, we saw priests. But in the Protestant church, it, it, we didn't see until about 100, maybe 100 plus years ago where they actually had what was called full-time pastors. They had several elders, which were all part of the Scripture. You follow me? Nowadays, my goodness, nowadays, where have they elevated the pastor in America? When all I want to do is crawl under this. We've elevated the pastor. And here, isn't it interesting? The office of pastor is spoken of less than any other office in the Bible. Apostle is spoken number one. Prophet is spoken number two in the New Testament. Uh, Teachers are spoken of far more than preachers. And yet, what have we done? We elevated one office and paid them so that they would do the work that really we're supposed to be doing. We are each members of the body of Christ, and we've been gifted in such a way to accomplish God's plans together. I'm almost done here, and I, want, I, I just want to share this. This is the heavy part. Whether you like this or not, how many know that Jesus is coming back? I'm just asking you now. How many know? You say, oh, I've been hearing it for a long time. Folks, every time you turn the news on, it looks more and more like Daniel and Revelations. It does. Now, I'm not going to get into end time stuff. I'm not going to try to make it happen. Jason Hendricks was sharing with me the other day some of the things going on in Israel that are just mind-blowing. He shared in, in service about with the Dead Sea, what's happening there. That's prophetic. God said that was going to happen, and it's happening. The Dead Sea is turning fresh water, right? That's never happened before, but prophetically it was spoken in the Word that that would happen. What's coming? Jesus is coming back. So, can I ask you guys a question? If Jesus is really getting that close, who's who's working overtime to dismember the church? He's working overtime. And this is why in Hebrews 10, hear this. In Hebrews 10, they were very clear. Paul, if it was Paul wrote Hebrews, he wrote this down. He said, this is not the time. Everybody say, not the time. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. This is not the time, folks. Why is that? As some have formed the habit of doing, because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently. Oh, boy. People are like, I already give an hour and a half a Sunday. Come on. No, folks. It's saying even more frequently. Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate Jesus' return. Do you know why he's saying here, keep gathering together even more? Because he knows as it gets darker out there, we're going to need each other to keep walking in the light here. We're not going to make it otherwise. We're not. We're not going to make it. I won't make it. We have got to be in fellowship with one another. See, here's the bottom line. How many people here are the salt of the earth? How many people are the light of the earth? How many people are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Which in actuality could very well be just the church itself. And how about glory bearers? Ephesians 3 says, Now we offer up to God 
all the glorious praise that rises from every church in every generation through Jesus Christ. See, we are better together because God's plan is being fulfilled through who? Who? Us. Who likes the fact that when we gather together, the Lord's going, all right, here we go. I am not, not, you absolutely need to be in your word on your own, absolutely. You need to allow the Lord to minister to you, absolutely. That's why I say I'm not taking away the me, but you're able to grow the me when you gather in the we. John really dealt with this a lot, (laughs) Apostle John, and he said, you know, guys, church is serious business, and, uh, Somebody came over the conversation, maybe that would, would be with John, and I just want to read this to you. And somebody said, all right, here's the deal. What if the, the church has hurt me deeply? Paul says, go be the church. The person says, but what if people hurt me at some point to the point that I, it just ruined me, and I don't want to even look at those people anymore? You know what John would say? Go be the church. He'd go on to say, but what if I feel like I connect better with God in nature than with people in a building? What would John say? Go be the church. God goes on to say, but what if, and John interrupts and says, are you dying? No. Are you imprisoned? No. Is there anything keeping you from being a part of the church? No. No but I feel like, hold up, you cannot love God without loving His people. And loving His people means that you die to self. You bear with one another in love and obey the commands of Scripture for your personal and corporate edification, encouragement, in order that God might be glorified. Go be the church. Be a part of it. I can't even tell you the number of people who have been gone for whatever reasons, but maybe they got out of, a ha- out of the habit of being a part of. I'm not questioning their salvation. What I'm questioning is their, the habitual gathering, which we all are very guilty of at times. And, but I've heard them say, oh, while I was gone, it was so hard. While I was gone, I found that when I'd try to come back, it would be so hard to connect. Well, who's telling you that? Who's trying to keep you disconnected and dismembered? The enemy is. Go be the church. Guys, we got to be in fellowship with each other now more than ever before. The world is getting darker. Amen? But And more difficult to live in as a true follower of Jesus. Amen? Somebody just told me yesterday over in India, the two things that are now, it's Muslims as well, but uh, the, the radical Hindus have begun to just storm the church in India. Many being killed and persecuted left and right, and you want to know something crazy? The church in India is exploding. Because the more persecution that comes, guess what they're doing together? They're gathering together to encourage each other and edify one another, and they're standing firm. And you want to know what happens when you gather together and stand firm? The Scripture is very clear. The gates of hell will not prevail. Is that not what the Scripture says? 
the gates of hell will not prevail. My prayer is that our eyes will be open to this truth, that we see that the enemy wants to take us down because he knows that the Holy Spirit in this body here makes us much better together than apart. The enemy, just like the enemy had no hold on Jesus. Oh, I love it. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's about to die for our sins. You know what the, you know, you know, in, in Pilate, uh, somebody says something in this awful here. I'm the pastor and I don't know every word. That's okay. I don't pretend to know it all. But I do know he responded in this respect. He said, Satan has no hold on me. He has no hold on me. So what was Jesus saying? I'm going to the cross on my own for we. For us. I know sometimes you feel weird. Oh, that's kind of sacrilegious saying us. No, Jesus did it for us, including himself. He did it for us because he was the only sinless one. He did it for us so that when he died on that cross, all sin was thrust upon him. But he had victory over death. And because he has victory over death, who else has victory over death? Because he brought new life, who else has new life? To God be the glory. Folks, I have to tell you, we are better together than we ever will be apart. And I, not, I, I, I share this message today not to fault people in any way for finding better things to do than come to church. But you know what I'm talking about. It's easy to do. Guys, this is what I'm admonishing you to, okay? Just hear me. This is what I'm admonishing you in. Unless there's absolute no reason that you can get here, more than ever before, we've got to be together. So please, understand, we need you. Can you look at your neighbor one more time and say, I need you. 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 I can't do this without you. And here's the crazy part. The Lord doesn't want to do it without you. Amen? We are better together. Far better than we are on our, on our own. Amen. Lord, I ask you to forgive us of a Lone Ranger Christian mentality. We can't be Lone Rangers in this anymore. We need each other. Here we are. We stand before you saying, Lord, continue transforming us because you love us. And thank you, Lord, as we lay me down so that we grows. And as we grows, then me grows. Lord, I want to thank you right now in Jesus' name that you desire to do a mighty work through this body, through every mouth, through every eye, through every ear, through every hand, through every foot. Lord, thank you that you have a mighty work that involves every member in this place. Every member in this place. I'm going to say that one more time and do not allow the enemy to discount you from it. Every member in this place is vital to the body of believers. Here we are. Now, Lord, we just want to say thank you and praise you and keep opening our eyes to the fact that, you know what? We are definitely better together than we ever will be apart because you have great plans for us walking in unity together. We love you and we thank you 
In Jesus' name I pray. Thank you, Father. I just want you to stand right where you are, and I just want you to tell somebody around you that you love them, and you're glad that they were here today, and that you are so glad that you got to be impacted by them today.